All right, so um, we all we all know what we were doing. Chris and we were studying the five different ministries of Ephesians chapter four, and I caught on those a few weeks ago, and then we did our first workshop on it last week, where everyone's answering these questions. You guys have your sheets with you, now I'll remind you. Uh, what are my five and giftings now? I think it's kind of the top two that you're operating in. Uh, the five different ministries of Ephesians four. Uh, what is God getting me to do now in my ministry? So how are you seeing particularly those top two operating or not operating? Uh, either one is really helpful. I want to definitely have to apply it to the ministry work that you're involved in right now because all of you are very involved in ministry. What are my struggles now? And, um, is, and this is kind of, I think, three and four are pretty, pretty related. What's a weaker ministry for you? And describe its importance in building ministry unity. So pick one that you're not so strong in and extol it, essentially. Okay. So, uh, Maggie's going to go first, and then after we have Chai and Kirsten, I think Lydia's not gone yet. Um, Allison. Christy. Christy and Mark. We have Mark this week. Welcome back. So glad you're here. So glad for Wit, uh, who got out the information and reminded all of us that we're doing this. <laughs> I actually had not forgotten what Chad told Wit. So. Let's pray, and then let's jump with you guys. Father in heaven, oh, it's, what a beautiful Chicago morning, and what a beautiful autumn this has been. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that so much in your created order cries out in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the song that the created order sings, and we thank you for giving us a score in the scriptures to give us all of who you are. And we pray, Lord, that we would hear the song today, and we would also be committed to the score, to the scriptures themselves, and give us special revelation of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Lord, thank you for your special revelation. You've given us Ephesians chapter 4, where you taught us about the ministries of the church, <clears throat> and the way in which we are, both receive our ministries, but then to equip the saints in all five of these ministries that really are your five ministries, Jesus. Mm -hmm. We thank you that you are prophets, and that you are priests, and that you are king. Mm -hmm. We honor you. And we pray that today you would help one another grow in these ministry areas and, and encourage one another. Let's have these two both share. Um, and then Mal and I are on the right and left, so we'll both pray for you as you can both share. Before we do that. What time do you need to be out of here? 9.30, so we'll be okay. fine. Okay, Just yeah, to make sure we'll take that time. I'll go first. Remember how Peter talked about being a was it teacher teacher? Mm -hmm. I think I'm a shepherd shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, probably maybe you said the Peter's daycare. Man, I think if you got two, it's, it's teacher teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I love being in one place. I love just knowing you can find me in the same place, building one brick at a time, day in day out, and then be there for the long haul. Um, journeying through people with people no matter how long it takes um, I love the one-on-one -on -one, the smaller group uh, just also learning people's gifts and looking for their gifts and helping develop them and then also to deploy them that's really energizing to me also the gift of encouragement within shepherding I think is just fits really well with how I how I see myself developing that's coming is the prophetic 
I, I see that coming. Um, a really good example was the college leaders came over and we just had a, a great time several times, but praying over them, I, I loved ministering with Chad and sort of getting a little bit, I love teaching, although I'm, I'm, I feel wooden at teaching, but yet it's something I would love to do more. I love taking people on a journey. I had an experience doing that in a, in a classroom setting at um, Liberty, and I had a classroom of 20 for a couple years, and it was, it was so energizing, and I, I love that. But one of my struggles is stepping into new things in teaching now. A struggle is I feel very wooden. It doesn't feel, I don't feel comfortable, so I feel like I'm, you know, you know when you're on? Yeah. And, and I know I don't have that. I, I have stepped into a couple new things, and I feel off. And I realize that's just part of learning. I get that. But I've been experienced so long, like stepping into a new thing that you feel, oh, this doesn't feel right. But yet I want to step into it. That's been a struggle for me is wanting to feel the authentic. But I still can be authentic even though I'm nervous about it. So I like to get things right. I also, which is why our discernment was probably two years in coming here. It took a long time. want to make sure this is it. But now being into so many new things, I'm also appreciating that I just jump in and you're going to figure it out as you go. So the building, for sure, but also the catalyzing new things I see is, is developing. Um, the weaker um, is probably evangelistic. I would... I would like to be more of a student of culture and also be able to be that bridge of the local context to the church and vice versa. And I just need to get get in more conversations to understand what's going on both sides better to be able to articulate and name where they're coming from and where you're coming from and how to, how to talk through that. Yeah, I love to long to love and reach and bless people and I think that's part of the evangelistic piece that I'm nervous about. Just get the, the list that Matt made. Awkward. <laughs> definitely definitely feel that, but that's going to be good for our, really crucial, I think, for our ministry. Yeah. I know, yeah, when yeah. he was like, we plan churches for yeah, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> evangelistic is the lowest for both of us, like, and we're planning a church. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, no shot. Oh, Lord, help us. No way just qualifies you. Um, okay, so this, this is really, th thank you, this is great. So a couple things, a couple <laughs> observations. Kristen, you share this, and then we'll hear from Chad, and I want to hear some observations about Chad, and then we'll do observations together, um, because I think it's, again, it's intriguing when we've got one flesh union of what God does um, in two, but as they're also truly, uh, truly one, and we take that super seriously, of course, in our, in our movement, um, in our diocese. So, um, it's interesting to talk about the shepherd, shepherd, and it is a lot of fun, and I think that is really true. Any of us that have known you for about a half hour, I mean, it took about 30 minutes of chatting person yeah. sitting in my office, um, and that late December meeting that we have, we'll go down in the history of, of our work together, um, to realize all I work for this woman is a shepherd. And, um, and, and some of what a shepherd does, and what Kirsten does, if you've got time, if there is, they actually inspire immediate trust. Um, out of just their integrity. So there are um, some leaders who just lead out of deep, deep integrity, which is to say they're integrated people. Mm -hmm. they, they, they have the word in the spirit. They, they have the head and the heart connection. They just have integration, which is a big part of, of maturity. 
Now, you may have heard me say this before, but this is one of the ways that Archbishop Foley leads. Um, so one of Archbishop Foley's great gifts is his integrity. And he actually leads out of integrity. More than he leads out of vision, more than he leads out of strategy, he leads out of integrity. He's something of a shepherd, shepherd. Um, I mean, when I got ill, I don't know, he must have texted me probably 12 times within the time, within, and every day is so kind for him. And I think he was similar gifting in that way, Kristen, and this, this leadership. So what's interesting is, um, because that's so strong in you, then the other ministries are going to help serve that ministry very likely. When you have something that's that strong, almost that singular, you'll watch the other four serve that ministry, and you'll want to understand how that works for you, and for you guys too, with kind of your top one or two, this can also be similar. And you want to kind of bring those other ministries into that ministry. So for you, if you were in a, a Liberty University classroom and you were doing some teaching, that felt wooden. A, maybe it's not one of your most developed or strong gifts, but B, it could also be that you weren't in the same shepherding context that you would be in a local church yeah. when you'd be teaching. So your teaching is going to serve your shepherding ministry primarily. Um, and that could be really helpful, by the way, to, to understand how one ministry serves another ministry. So I would say if you're going and teaching, and you and Chad are thinking about this within the venue of the church and, and the church you'll be leading, because um, you, you will want to share. Because a shepherd loves to teach. Because a shepherd loves to build. And the shepherd understands that you build by teaching the word of God. And so I'd be really curious, what are the venues and the places where you can teach as a shepherd? You know, playing that gift and, and building, you know, so, and even teaching on shepherding themes. So it'd be really interesting to see, like, how would you handle teaching uh, Romans 12 and the different gifts within the body? Because you love to see the gifts of people, right? Mm -hmm. And you love to call those out. Mm -hmm. So what if you had teaching on those gifts, like you did this for the college ministry, where you're actually teaching about a shepherding theme as a shepherdess? Mm -hmm. So think about that and you strategize these gifts. I, I would work toward that. That's, that's for all of you guys. You think about your lead gifts and how the other gifts can help serve the, the lead gift. Um, it's exciting to see about the development of the prophetic ministry. That is a nice catalytic balance to a very strong building gift. So nurturing that, strengthening that, of course, as the Bible teaches us, we're to ask for that gift. Um, and, and we'll do a whole, we'll do two weeks on prophetic, but we'll not, we'll not surprise you. I want to make sure you're all really well trained to look at the prophetic. Um, but, but I would just continue to ask for that gift, of course, and how that catalytic gift of Ministry God's word now, ministering God's presence now can can come alongside that that building gift, and that will definitely be critical in church planting, mm -hmm. because obviously the prophetic gift is the building of the church, and you're actually building in church planting. You're building the church, mm -hmm. so we, we dare not plant any churches without the prophetic. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we won't, and 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 you have that. We all have that. But God's strengthening that in you, Christian. So I would really observe that, listen to that. Um, <clears throat> with evangelism, it tends to be the weakest gift for most, and even those that do statistics on such things, I don't know how to do stats, but they want expertise, I don't know how to do it. But the folks that do it tell us that in the church you have less evangelists than anybody else. I would just say anecdotally, that's so true. <laughs> After a lot of years of ministry, um, I, we have the hardest time finding those that are called and willing to for evangelism. So there's many of us that would say that's our weakest one. Um, so one of the things, too, that I think you guys can begin praying into intentionally now for the plants is like we just need uh, even one or two evangelists. Because one or two evangelists, if they really have that thriving gift, you see that Rachel when she's here, Rachel Staker. Um, and then you hear her stories about reaching Muslim women. Um, 
having one evangelist, you know, on the launch team who catalyzes that faith for conversion and, and that call to conversion, even one is very powerful and effective. Um, so that would be the thing you can bring me to. All right, Chad. Shepherd, teacher, probably the two, the top two. I also sense, though, uh, a special grace and gifting coming here, little by little now, toward an apostolic catalyzing, and I, I think that probably has to do with going and planting, and the Lord bringing these systems together, Him creating something where there is currently nothing, and participating in that work. Yeah. Just uh, seeing, looking at the map, and looking at different <clears throat> cities, and envisioning things, and uh, bringing people along into that and, and being energized by look at what could be and I, I see those things coming together so um, which I think is really great for the work that we're stepping into uh, the college things and shepherding things certainly give opportunities to exercise the shepherding and teaching gifts, uh, even a little bit of catalyzing for new, mm -hmm. new ministry, mm -hmm. new, new ways of doing, or new, new gatherings. Mm -hmm. I think the struggle for me is figuring out what it looks like moving from a, from a classroom environment and teaching into mm -hmm. teaching in the context of a local church. Mm -hmm. Because there's some overlap, but it's it's more different than what I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. um, so. Evangelism is my weakest. Although I was talking with Trevor one day, we were with Trevor and Bonnie, and he said, what if you would re rethink this and think about evangelism as shepherding? Mm -hmm. And caring for people who are mm -hmm. far away from the Lord and, mm -hmm. and hurting and bring, sharing the good news through shepherding, which was an interesting thought for me. Mm -hmm. I had never thought about mm -hmm. that before. That's great. Mm -hmm. Then it seems more yeah. not doable, but yeah. Oh yeah, I can care for people who are, who are far from the Lord mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or feeling far from the Lord. He's obviously not far from them. So yeah, I totally see that needing evangelists on our launch team. Mm -hmm. I wrote what well, the Trevor was recommending is exactly how he's a Christian person and all that stuff. That same thing was like if you got this lead gift, let evangelists serve that lead gift. Like a lot of Father Matt does evangelism. Mm -hmm. So Father um, Matt's got a very strong shepherding gift, and obviously he's pastored for over 30 years. So as he's coming to more evangelism explicitly, the way I watched him actually do that is he built a relationship with somebody, two brothers in Aurora. He's had a relationship with the baker there now for a year and a half to two years. And, she, and she's had great challenges in her life. He finds an appropriate venue because she's a woman. It's a public place like two brothers, and he's had a chance to pastor her mm -hmm. toward the gospel after two years. So he's really a great example of what bringing those two things together. Mm -hmm. um, so I love what you're saying about the apostolic. And here's why I love it. Again, this is where the five M's are not a personality test. Um, 
and you're, you're, you, you, you want to be conversant of what God's using you to do, but you never, ever, ever want to think that one of those five M's may have to be visited upon you by the Holy Spirit for the purposes of the gospel, because they all belong to Jesus, as we talk. They're all Jesus' gifts, and they're all his ministries. And so, and um, getting another passage of scripture in the Spirit gives the gifts as he will, all Jesus of First Corinthians. So I love this, because it may be that you didn't necessarily operate in much of an apostolic calling for some of your ministry, but actually, I would say a couple of years ago, when you guys really met the Lord on Easter Day, in your, in your home church and had this stirring that I started had going on for you and it happened for you. I don't remember the sequence. Um, that was like an apostolic gifting on a stirring for these two who by no human reason whatsoever would ever leave Virginia. Why would you leave what they have? Um, only unless the Lord says like you did Abraham, go. Um, and so the fact that an apostolic gifting may come even for a season or may come for a particular ministry makes it sense and to actually really be, you know, like you are embracing it and say, okay, Lord, you're giving me the power to operate in the apostolic. We have a whole sense, and this is also what's going on in our movement right now, by the way. I've said this to our, our leaders the last few years. Look, whether you're a pastor, shepherd, prophet, whatever, here's the deal. God raised you up, and this is true for every one of you right now. God raised you up in a pioneering season, and that is the two or three year season. This is a 20 year season. But God's providential timing, you guys being called to be part of our movement in a pioneering season. So whether you're a pioneer or not, mm -hmm. this is what we're called to do. And I never even thought of myself as a pioneer. I never thought of resurrection as a pioneer until we had a remarkable team of coaches come in two years ago to help us with strategic planning. That's how we got to the win team consequence that we do at Resnow. And this is our whole story for an entire day. This is the entire story. And then they said, man, you guys are radical pioneers. And we thought of ourselves as fussy, you know, kind of funny dunny Anglicans who all we care about is, you know, like doing things as it's always been done. They're like, well, from where we're standing is cutting edge of doubles, what they were, but you know, very innovative of doubles. You guys are crazy innovators. You're on the pioneering edge. Well, it's only because that really isn't necessarily in all our personalities. It's just that the Lord has called us into a season at pioneering, and that will continue for at least 20 years. Mm -hmm. At least. Um, so I think it's powerful that you're an emblem of that, Chad, because if the Lord is saying, look, we've got a massive area of Wisconsin, for example, that is not being reached with the Lord's Bible, the Bible. it's being reached by good gospel churches, but it's not being reached by words like the Bible, back to our, our gospel Catholicity, as part of our charism of last week that we talked about. Praise the Lord. So in some ways, we're all apostolic right now. You know, I mean, it's like, we're, we're all in apostolic mode. Um, and we all have to be because that's what, that's what's on God for our assignment for our generation. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so let, let, let's just a little observing how, how the, the shepherding and, and the prophetic, especially, that Chris has been developing and Chester being teaches, obviously very strong building gifts. And what we're seeing is they both have extremely strong building gifts, but God is introducing mm -hmm. in both of your lives this catalytic calling and catalytic ministry that's manifesting in a sense of the apostolic or a sense of the prophetic. We also have a child that operates in the prophetic strong. He was raised in it. He mm -hmm. operates as far as you can say that. Um, I think it's still just, you're fully owning it. Um, uh, because I mean, he'll operate the prophetic like that. Um, so that's really beautiful to see, okay, as church planters then, right, one is that we want to, and it's important that I'm helping coach you toward, okay, how do we just maximize these building gifts you guys have? 
How, how do you want your launch team, for example, in a very strong building manner? In a way that may be different than some other leaders have gone when they have more lead catalytic gifts. Mm -hmm. So how do we do this so that you guys go, man, this feels right like this. I feel like I'm doing what I need to do. Um, and but how do we also recognize how we've got the prophetic, we've got the apostolic alongside these strong building gifts. That's gonna be a really creative endeavor together to figure and to hear the Lord and as to how it looks like your how your launch team looks. Um, and how you first and foremost build and are always building, which will be the greatest joy and the greatest leveraging of your gifts. And yet, of course, <laughs> introducing apostolic thinking, introducing prophetic urgency <laughs> guidance. That's going to be really exciting to see. Um, it's also going to mean that as strong, strong builders, you guys know this, you're going to want to always be staying on a launch team as well. Where's the catalog? Mm -hmm. and, and, and how, does, how do we introduce, and also I would say what we're specifically doing and this has been important for me, is to find those trustworthy people that gifts other than yours in the five M's. And you have to find them, which takes time. And, and they've got to be mature and not need to have a voice. The people that need to have a voice, you can't always give a voice to. But the people that you see have maturity, you then say to them, okay, let me just be really clear with you. Here are the gifts I have. Here's the charism I'm operating in. You have other charisms. You have other ministries. I really need you. And I need you to have permission to challenge me. Mm -hmm. I need permission to go, I need more of this right now. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got to have, you got to be trusted. But if they are trusted and they can, they, they can really help you with this, um, then it's, it's an incredible thing. So for me to work in a weekend area, I have to be conversant with a scholarly world. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a trained scholar. But I have to be conversant in that world. So... And so it's a scholarly teaching world in the college environment. So what I've done over the years, particularly when I'm launching new teachings as a preacher, as a bishop, is I literally sit down with scholars like Ken Stephen, like Deacon John, and I show them the stuff I'm going to do. Like I walk through every single teaching I did for Holy Life two years ago, first with Deacon John. Everything I did. Um, when, I, when I first taught in this map, these matters in 2007, I actually got to Stan Jones, Jay Wood, Two of the other scholars, I just get on my after I've done it, which was, by, by the way, really vulnerable, and said, From your perspective, what did I do right and what did I do wrong? Um, and believe me, scholars are more than happy to tell you. They've already got a list in my mind, they've already made the notes somewhere, um, and they're, they're happy every day with it. They got that Christmas morning for them, and they're just like, Oh, look at this. But honestly, it was very important because I'm, I'm not a scholar. I'm a reader, I'm a thinker, I'm a teacher, I'm not a scholar. So I had to bring that in, and you guys will find those people that you can really trust and say, okay, you know, this is an area that we need more catalytic energy or strength around. Would you help us catalyze? You have permission to do so. We're the leaders, right? We're the leaders of this. You'll be the priest, you'll have the headship, but we really need you. And I think that's good. you guys should be very good at that, but that's, that'd be probably a component in this that we'll be looking for. Is that raising up? All right, it's 9.27. Let's pray for you guys. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for the giftings that you have placed in Kirsten um, that have been developing over her lifetime so far. And we thank you for all the opportunities you've given her mm -hmm. to see these giftings at work um, and to just be able to name them over time. And Lord, we thank you for this just beautiful gift of, of shepherding that has already touched so many of your flock, Jesus, and just the way that she comes alongside you as the great shepherd. Um, 
and does shepherding with you, Lord. Mm. I just thank you for that. I pray, Jesus, that, that going forward, you would just be releasing in her more and more charisms, that she would just be seeing other charisms popping up all over the place um, in different situations where mm-hmm. she has a chance to to see them in a different light or to yeah. see herself um, in a different situation and mm-hmm. new things coming to life. So, Lord, we just pray mm-hmm. life and um, light um, mm-hmm. over all the ministry that Kirsten will be doing in these mm-hmm. next few months and then moving forward into launching this church plant we just pray for release of of all the gifts you want her to be using every day thank you lord what i thank you for chad what i thank you that um that he is actually uh, an incredible risk taker hmm. and that uh, while he is careful and he is considered and he is reflective lord he is somebody that actually is willing to take risk yeah. and he's willing to get out front mm-hmm. he's willing to go ahead I thank you, Lord. This is just a gift you've given him. I think this is just part of his manhood, the willingness to go ahead. And I pray, Lord, a blessing on this. And I pray that as he's a teacher, yes, he's a shepherd, yes, of the prophetic ministry, mm-hmm. his apostolic stirring, Lord, that, that all of this will be used as you call him ahead. Mm-hmm. And, Lord, we thank you that uh, we can never go anywhere you have not gone before. We thank you that you are always, Lord, um, the first initiator. You make the first ask in people's lives. Um, you are the first evangelist. You are the first church planter. So we never actually fully go ahead. But as they are ready to go ahead in a new way, Lord, I pray just for a stirring of this in chat. And Lord, and just an embracing of this, Lord, I, I just thank you for the way his his academic career and his athletic career Lord, prepared him to go ahead. And that there's a lot of muscle memory in him of what this looks like and what this feels mm-hmm. like. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given him all these years in the classroom and um, in doctoral studies. And you're gonna use all of this, you're gonna integrate all of this, Lord, and you now call him um, into the pulpit, and you call him at the altar, and you call him within the life of the church. You call him into the community as an evangelist. Mm-hmm. And we just pray strengthening on both of them, Lord, in these five ministries in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Thanks, thanks. Thank you. Sorry, I'm going to miss yours. All right, Lydia, let's go to you next. And here's what I want to do on the next board. we got Lydia, Allison, Christy, and Mark. Here's what I want to do. Um, so I, uh, I'll i make just one or two observational um, remarks after they go, and then I want you guys to make the other ones. Okay, so you know enough about this, now you've watched me do this. So, so I'm expecting you guys to step in. Good to see you. Hi, guys. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Bye. Bye. Oh, you're staying. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, Chad is a very good driver. If they, ever, if they ever discovered you in, in Nigeria, they'd never let you go. <laughs> he, he has driven me all around the Midwest, and I'm so thankful. <laughs> He's a great driver. <laughs> yeah, he, That's not in the Bible. No, 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 no. no. This is, it, it, that sounds pretty Bible. apostolic to me. I don't know. Anyway. Okay, so... Uh, so so let, let's do that. So I'll make a couple of comments, then I want you guys to make some comments too. So Lydia, yes, talk to us. Yeah, what's your sense of this? Uh, so as you were giving the teaching initially, when we got to shepherds, I just circled it. I wrote, yeah. "That's me." <laughs> uh, just because a lot of the anecdotes that you were sharing and the little descriptions, uh-huh. they, they just woke things up in me. Um, the idea of committing to a community and and 
being long-term with a smaller group of people um, is much more natural for me. Mm. I've been growing in the past couple years and expanding my relationships and, and being more um, dynamic and, and being more open to high-energy, broader work, but I, I know that naturally I gravitate toward longer-term, smaller context. Um, and I really appreciate communities where there are many different strengths gathered in one. Yeah. Um, and that was another thing that you described. And so I it it is theoretically exciting to me when large movements have pockets of strengths in different places, but that's not a place that that's not an idea that I can sink into. Something that I can really sink into is when one small community has elements of all of those strengths. So um, a teaching strength or a an evangelistic strength, where, where all of those things come together. And that's why I was drawn to Res in the first place, is that I saw so many aspects of Christian faith and ministry housed in one place. And I felt like I could really dig in and 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 be giving to all of the things that I cared, care about in the same place. Um, that's really interesting. I, I, I rarely hear heard folks describe their draw to Res like that. But because you came from a Catholic background, the liturgical sacramental life was part of your upbringing. That would necessarily be a draw in the same way that it would be to the evangelical. Right, yeah. So for me, I, I had experienced liturgical traditional expressions of faith, and I was able to pour into that in Catholic context. And then when I was at Awana with my Baptist friends or at Bible study with my non-denom friends, yeah. I could pour into other aspects of my faith. And so when I came to Res, I realized, wow, a lot of those things are not in different churches anymore. They're in one place for me. And that's something that I look forward to continuing and if I ever build anything or commit to a, a different community or a different ministry, that's something that I'll look for is a, is a commitment to many different things. Um, you mean when you're part of a church plant in our movement? That, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's one coming up pretty soon. <laughs> 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 that plug that's in the there. <laughs> How can I employ people that I know to do these things that need to be done? And so I really enjoy, and that's something that I was trained in a bit by my mentors in college, is just this leadership development where you're always looking to put yourself out of a job, essentially, where you're like, well, this person can be grown up to fill this mm. position, or I see this inkling of something in them that's not fully developed yet, but that could could grow and flourish if they were just planted in the right spot. And so I've often just naturally found myself asking people, like, will you volunteer to do this? Will you do that? Will you try this skill even though you haven't tried it before? And I've really enjoyed seeing people grow into their giftings in that way. Um, and then my secondary would probably be teacher. Um, I've been teaching children for the past years, and um, but, but tied with that is the shepherding because I've enjoyed being in classrooms where I can have long-term relationships with yeah. students. And uh, I've especially enjoyed teaching situations where it's a smaller group or private teaching, um, mostly music in my case, but where I can really 
get into the nitty-gritty of what a student actually needs and where it's not just generalized instruction and generalized um, vision casting, but really getting into what is the student thinking about, what are their questions, what do they want to understand, and how can I catalyze that? So I guess the catalytic for me is in very small interactions. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm working with now, and, and tied with my struggle right now, is that I'm stepping into music leadership here at RES in a context where there's a very thick and established culture of how things are done. And so stepping into a role where I want to be relational and I want to be shepherding and want to be casting vision, um, but not having the relationships yet and not having yeah. built the trust yet, and just being thrown into a situation where I am expected to be a shepherd in, in some way, um, creating a culture, even if it's just in rehearsal, of, of growth and learning. Um, so that's my struggle right now, is shepherding where there isn't yet trust. And um, yeah, and, and so the ones that I'm not so strong in are the catalytic, catalytic uh, strengths and Specifically, apostolic, I chose as as the one I wanted to affirm because for me, I I love partnering with someone who can cast a vision, and then I just come in behind. and And if I can get behind that vision, I do very analytically decide: can I get behind this vision? But once I do, then I'm all in, and I I immediately start thinking: how can we make this happen? What are the nitty gritty, day to day practicalities that will make this vision happen? So I very much affirm the apostolic gifting, and, and I don't have it, or, or I'm learning to tap into it um, in the small ways that I have, or just to affirm those that, that do have it in my life. But I love being around people who can cast vision so that I can come alongside and actually make those things happen. Mm. Hey, this, that's fascinating. Thank you. That's really good. So I, I think how you interface this with your with your ministry is really helpful when you've got such strong shepherding gifts. Mm -hmm. um, because it's a really, that is a huge challenge for a shepherd. Is actually, shepherds are very, very <laughs> aware that everything operates on trust. That's, that's just like an instinct mm -hmm. that a shepherd has. The apostolic sometimes will actually be moving so quickly, mm -hmm. they'll actually not, they won't stop actually build the trust deeply. Mm -hmm. And because they're trying to fill in the whole ecosystem, for example, they'll forget that the way an ecosystem works is that every single Connecting point within the ecosystem has to have trust in the ecosystem falls apart. Mm -hmm. um, the shepherd is the one that goes, if you don't have trust in every single connecting point, this whole thing's like a spider web that you run into in the morning and you just move on your way. Mm -hmm. So that's actually a really strong gift, but that is hard to come into an already established system, lots of people interacting and going, I don't have a trust yet, how do I get that? You're probably thinking this way. But one thing I would say to a shepherd, especially when they're coming into an already existing system, and also a system that's the apostolic, and that kind of tends to be what part of the main charisms that runs res. Um, they tend to be Steve's very apostolic, I obviously operate that, Amy operates in that. So you have some cultural, in some ways, a churchy kind culture, too. Um, and you're probably doing this, but it's, my question would be who are the folks, especially, you may already have some relationship with, or that you're eager to build a relationship with in a one on one venue um, that will make you maybe more intentional about that. So you're going into direct choir or whatever. Who are the choir members that you even say, you know, and it's tricky when you're, you know, early 20s, young woman, like, how are you connecting with a, you know, 50-something, you know, guy? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a little awkward. Yeah. Um, but where are the social connections you can make that wouldn't have an awkwardness? Right. 
when you actually walk in, you go, I feel more connected as the leader because mm -hmm. I had coffee with her and I connected with him and I had these connections. Yeah. Um, and you may already be doing that, but that's what I would encourage yeah. is because that's going to make you feel as a shepherdess, like, yeah, I, I know what I'm walking into. That is so much a part of, of, of how things happen. Also, obviously, there's nothing that can take the place of more time. Right. Of mm -hmm. um, because it just, it just takes time. And, and, and if you recognize that, it's just like that's going to always be a thing. Even like the Magnuson's, as they get ready to plant both of the strong shepherding gifts, we're going to say to them, this may take more time for you guys. Maybe we have a longer launch time. I have no idea. But when you have people that, that, that build, go deeply, yeah. it may take more time. I mean, I said Trevor, the Trevor's shepherding is also very apostolic. I mean, Trevor and Bonnie put that launch team together in like five months. It was too fast, really. <laughs> but what happened was our circumstances required. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it's a long story of extenuating circumstances. But they also had that strong, you know, like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. The appetite tends to move quickly. And Shepherding is not. Mm -hmm. It just can't. It shouldn't. Any other observations for Lydia? I love how you so so naturally recognize the value of the other gifts as paired to yours because I think like in the more like a younger or more immature understanding of the gifts you think like my gift in the church of shepherding is how everybody conducts ministry sort of like a very like black and white focus but you really are already kind of seeing how the pieces connect and inform each other in a really like organic beautiful way like as you're describing it it's like I can see that happening and it sort of builds up my own understanding of it like we don't all have to I mean, like we do in a sense, all have to be all of them, but don't all have to be one of them. And that's really beautiful. I think you see that really clearly. And that even in your really strong shepherding gift, there's obviously like a strategic element that comes into that a lot, especially your catalog, your kind of like car file of people's like hearts and selves, not just their information, you know, and being able to think about how this would go together. You know, a lot of times when someone's looking for a role around here uh, or or I'm looking for a role around here and thinking, oh my gosh, someone's going to be amazing at this. They've been watching. You know, like, so that similarity and, and, um, and just, I don't know, just holding people like that in your heart and knowing that most people you know are not really ever forgotten, even if you're far away. That's like a point of, um, of that building trust with people that they'll notice, because they'll notice that they've been remembered by you and like known by you in some like essential So in general, like I'm very 
to say things. I like answer first a lot and stuff, but I'm like super nervous about this. So I'm, I, I just don't really know. Um, so I think as I've been thinking through this, I've been trying to think about what are the roles that I've been plugged into into the past and what about them hmm. have really been super like life-giving, like that feeling, like I feel most alive right now. Mm -hmm. um, and generally speaking, I would say I don't tend to start things. I've noticed that. But when something is started or when somebody's like, I'm there, this is going to happen, and you know what you're going to do? Make it really awesome. Then I'm just like, yes. Like, um, and the way that that usually looks is come, 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 be a part. Like, I want to say to people, like, this is where you want to be. This is going to be awesome. You know, like, this is why it's going to be strong. This is why the people that are already in it are benefiting from this. You know, like, and, and I think about groups um, slightly more than I think about individuals because I'm such a group-oriented person. I feel more like I feel most healthy and plugged in when I'm part of a thriving group, so I can kind of project that on everybody else and be like, what you really want is to be part of a thriving group. Um, and sometimes that's not what people want. But, but, uh, but so I have this thing, this thinking, like how can this group have an identity and how can it thrive? So that's why I really love the team's work that I'm doing here. So I can see like a, definitely like a shepherd side of that. It's like, we're going to make this really good for you, you know, like we're going to make this really, really good. And I'm also thinking, I also think about like the product though, like what are we all creating that we're going to be proud of and what are we all working toward that matters? And what's that feeling of synergy that's going to, is this feeling of synergy going to happen in this, this setting? Um, so that's really big. And then I, I am like extraordinarily people oriented. Like when I first got here, I remember like I had a piece of paper like this. I started draw drawing like, okay, Dan and Lois. And then I was drawing like all of these, like everyone I'd met since I'd moved here, all of the reasons. This was like two months into probably living here. I had probably about 150 or 160 names on there and how they were all connected to each other. And there are some people on there, many people I'd never met, some people who had passed away, people who I had like realized like fit into this community of how things work. And my friends were like, You're, that's really weird. Um, so like, but it's kind of how I think about like how communities work. So for instance, like, like the work Amy does is really exciting to me because I'm thinking, she's thinking how do more people get involved in what's happening here, you know, and how they can become a part. And then, so kind of like my life vision statement is like, or like mission, I, I'm very unclear on anything, is like more healthy church in America. So I'm also thinking about what's going on here and how does this reproduce? Can it reproduce? Like how do we take a culture and make it strong enough so that part of it can float away on a little boat and like create a community somewhere else. And I haven't really been a part of doing that yet, so I don't actually know what that letting go would feel like. But yeah, that like human <laughs> ecosystem. So, so what I think I'm getting to with myself is I think there's definitely a part of me where the building and the catalytic go together. Mm -hmm. um, and 
that I think I can see. And I really just, I don't know, you know, like I don't know out of like pastoral or teaching and out of apostolic or prophetic what actually um, is motivational for, or like for how I think. So I, I guess I'm, I'm okay with that. I guess I maybe God will develop that as I go forward, but it'd be interesting to, I don't know, have any feedback. <laughs> like, um, and I, Okay, so the first thing I'm going to say before we into five M's, Allison, is what you described, and I'm obviously immersed in this framework I'm working on fully a lot, is purely feminine. Uh-huh. So to think about, okay, like where are the central relationships? Here are my auntie and uncle. Right. You know, you know and, um, and you kind of think from out there, like, who have I met? Like, it's like mapping out a whole network of relationships. Not that a guy might not do that, <laughs> but it's unlikely. <laughs> now, they might, they might, right. but it's unlikely. You're thinking connectivity. Right, and, and I was just one of the great gifts of womanhood and, mm-hmm. and, and spiritual mothering is connectivity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Lydia saying, you know, it's hurting all the trust points, and where all the trust points are connected. Again, mm-hmm. men should work in trust and think about trust, but there's a certain way you describe that to me. I just go, that's just beautiful. And Father, this is you coming into maturity as a woman and, and pull the Lord going, this is how I think. Um, but certainly within that would be a strong shepherding sense. So, again, it's, it's, uh, it sounds like a shepherding gift, but it, and I think you know a little bit about your background, not a lot, but you were definitely raised in a catalytic environment. Like, probably very prophetic. Yeah. And the charismatic movement you're a part of. So, you're somebody that probably is intrinsically gifted by the Lord in a shepherding, gathering. You're talking about you love to gather, mm-hmm. bring people into the community, um, and, uh, and yet you really operate and understand doing that within an apostolic prophetic environment, which is mm-hmm. what I'll do with your upbringing. How the God will shape you, mm-hmm. um, and so that's the reason why you feel really comfortable with mm-hmm. again the catalytic mm-hmm. is that you you're in wired building, mm-hmm. but you also live within the catalytic, mm-hmm. which also helps you to integrate with the resurrection so well. I think right. which is a completely mm-hmm. different faith tradition right. for you, and yet yeah. has some overlap. Yeah, it does. There's a lot of things that are feel like home, you know. Yeah, you yeah. know, so different. Yeah, yeah. Are there observations for Allison on this and how these are, how these gifts are interacting and and by the way, I'm really comfortable that you may not be you may not be using uh, a one or two words yet. Yeah. Not a problem. It's part, it's part of your formation in the Lord. Um, right. I mean, in a few years, I think you should have greater clarity on it. Right. But right now, in your process, I guess fine. Yeah. Other thoughts? I I just want to say, like, I think, like, when you're talking about your relationships with people here and how you think about them. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have seen on the other end talking with people, them like testifying how well you do that. Um, like one most recent one, I remember when I was handing over my Res Cafe stuff to you, and I was talking to the Res Cafe leaders, and like, well, Allison's gonna be taking over, she's gonna be doing this, and they're all just like, oh, we love Allison. <laughs> and it's like yeah. they already have trust with you because they know yeah. you from Sunday morning, and you make them, you shepherd them. On Sunday mornings, um, even when, like, even when you're not there, they weren't your primary focus, um, but they knew you and they trusted you already, um, which is just, I think, a testament to how well you build trust with people. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would just say I think you do know in a lot of ways. Like, I think, I think, and I think some of the process you're in also strikes me as very feminine <laughs> because there is so much you're holding at once, right? And I think so much of the pastoral and that shepherdess 
gifting is that you're holding a lot. And you're like, oh, I can see the catalytic in this person. I can be a part of that because I want to support them and love them, right? Or like, I can see the apostolic there and I want to be a part of that because I love them. And I think that you're, you're like drawn to other giftings just because you love the people that bring those giftings. Um, and so you're, you're seeing yourself like in that connectedness. Um, you're, also, you're also using those giftings in yourself just because you want to connect. You know, like, like yeah. oh, I can be catalytic right now. You know, we're like, I can be apostolic right now because this relationship is so alive, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that is just so yeah. beautifully yeah. feminine and so much of what woman brings. Um, and so I think, like, if you don't have a list of, like, your top two words, like, right. I think it's beautiful that you don't in some ways because you're just mm-hmm. finding it for the season, just kind of mm-hmm. learning how to, how to pull out those things in other people, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's... Yeah. And if I can say one more time too, yeah. I was thinking even more recently about when you just taught at oh, Res yeah. Youth. Uh-huh. And it was cool to see how like I felt like I saw you shepherding through that. Mm-hmm. And it was like you were speaking directly to students by name mm-hmm. and like referencing stories and things in them and they were like responding immediately. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like here's like mom teaching <laughs> her kids, you know? It was awesome. It was really cool. And Mark had an awesome mom and father, so that's quite a compliment. Yeah, I've been wanting to ask for your feedback on that, actually. (laughs) You know, um, one final thing else is, I I, I like your phrase, I just like to make it awesome. And um, I'm not sure that fits with the five now, but it does fit with the gift administration. Uh Um, And actually, you, I think there's some specific giftings to Caitlin Wallen. Hmm. And you're sharing that as as I'm watching (laughs) Had a chance to watch her grow up in the Lord. Mine's of Caitlin, hmm. where there's uh, high connectivity, uh, shepherd heart, mm-hmm. and administrative gifting, mm-hmm. uh, systems operations gifting. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the ministry I love to. The ministry love to go, it's just like this. Like, I just like, which I was administrator crazy as it wasn't great. Um, you know, and uh, it makes them crazy. They're just like, I put so much time into so much didn't work. The one thing that it shows is was it good or not, you know? Yeah. Like, Pray for Brenda right now. <laughs> she was fully alive to be great, you know, but yes. it's hard. So I think also it's part of your administrative gifting. And I spoke to the gift of administration on Tuesday briefly as well. And the gift of administration is a shepherding gift. Mm-hmm. Now, not that all shepherds have gifts of administration, mm-hmm. but administrators who are administering shepherd and, and Hudson pointed that out. I think that's really a great thing for you guys to be incorporated too. Mm-hmm. All right. So they want to pray for Allison. Father God, I thank you for Allison, and I thank you for how you have filled her up with so many gifts, that she is um, still discerning where her strengths lie. It's not because there's a deficit in any way, it's because she's just overflowing in all areas, and that she's so adaptable and, and so sensitive to what each situation requires and has within her uh, the ability to to meet those expectations and to, mm-hmm. to fill up um, needs wherever she goes. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I just ask that you would give her confidence in mm-hmm. that, that she would step forward and that as she continues to discern and as she continues to um, sink into mm-hmm. her specific giftings, that she would never feel confined by that, but that mm-hmm. she would uh, continue to just live into that adaptability mm-hmm. and that the Holy Spirit would be guiding her very, very mm-hmm. clearly and um, 
in a nuanced way as she encounters different people in her shepherding and team leading, as she encounters new situations that require a new response. I pray that she'd be able to deploy her gifts in very specific ways that will meet needs and inspire people and call out the giftings in other people in ways that are very specific to them and that people would feel known by the fact that she can meet them so specifically. Yeah. I pray that you would affirm um, the, the feminine part of her soul yeah. that is so clearly yeah. expressed in the connectedness that she sees. I thank you for her yeah. attentiveness to group dynamics, mm -hmm. but also for her attentiveness to individuals. I hear her making phone calls <coughs> across the cubicle, and I'm just always struck by how tender and relational she is with each individual, even as she is thinking of yeah. the bigger picture. And I pray that you would be able to, um, that you'd help her to hold those two things, mm -hmm. the specificity and individualism, mm -hmm. as well as the group mm -hmm. shepherding. Mm -hmm. Bless her father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I would say that my, my main shepherding and then more recently I've seen the prophetic um, but I've seen mostly how that has supported my shepherding gift mm. so the things that I love about shepherding is I, I love hospitality I love creating spaces for people to enter into to either meet the Lord or to build community together I love the um, I love seeing people living into their own giftings mm -hmm. and going through seasons of challenge and growing closer to the Lord in that. I love having um, consistent relationships with people where I'm pouring into them and building them up or in small group settings. I love seeing how people grow over seasons and over years and change. That's like the most exciting, fulfilling thing for me is um, praying for people and then also seeing how they have grown to love the Lord more or see the Lord work in their life. That's like the most um, life-giving thing for me. And I also, um, with the shepherding role, um, I think Bishop Stewart, what you said about the energy piece really makes a lot of sense to me that I go through lots of seasons of low energy and then kind of higher energy. It's a lot of come and go. Um, and I know when I start getting of my shepherding role is when I start to think about it as like a maintenance role. It's like, oh, I'm maintaining this ministry or I'm maintaining this culture instead of um, seeing it as something that's building or something that's growing. Um, so I always know that that's like a, that's like a trigger point. It's like, oh, I'm thinking about this as a maintenance thing. That's not a good posture to have. I know um, that I've, I'm in a place of burnout or isn't in the right place. So, uh, and then with the prophetic gifting, I have seen really recently in the past year how that has inspired and um, has fed my shepherding gifting through dreams that I've had about specific people, but also dreams about specific spaces and communities. Yeah, yeah. So, dreams about. Um, Hospitality. I had many dreams about hospitality last year. You dreamed about hospitality, that's what you're saying. Yeah, and so having dreams about 
um, having Holy Communion in my space with people or um, people who I was really in a shepherding role with leading them to take communion um, and lots of dreams about um, doubt in the Wheaton community, dreams about cynicism. Um, so I think like having um, was like a prophetic seeing of what people were experiencing or what our what was going on in our community underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And that really allowed me, that opened up a lot of doors for conversations with specific people yeah. or just a building up in my own mm -hmm. understanding of my shepherding role and gave me a new excitement and energy and vision for what I was doing and really tore away that idea of maintenance, but um, seeing it as like offering people to the Lord. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to see more where the prophetic could be. Um, I think I've had dreams since I was a kid, but I haven't really had, I haven't really known how to use it. I was just like, I don't really know what to do with this or like, oh, that's really cool. I dreamed about that. Um, but I haven't really known how to use that in other people's lives. And so it's been cool this past year. I had dreams about my roommates or other people and I was able to speak specific words into their lives that um, ended up being really meaningful. So yeah, and I think now in my role in the ministry residency, it's a lot of shepherding. Um, and that has been, it's a lot of shepherding in res youth I haven't seen a whole lot of the prophetic there yet specifically, but with college group, that's been really great to have just a lot of time for prayer for people. And that's, I feel like I'm able to use both my shepherding and prophetic gifting in that, which is really exciting. Find a spring, and you go, oh, that's where it's all coming from. 
Well, for you, a lot of it might come from the prophetic. So you probably have a pretty significant pairing of the prophetic, catalytic as per the prophetic, yeah. with building as per the shepherding. Mm -hmm. So when the pond gets stagnant and not a lot's moving, mm -hmm. um, there's a way in which, and what I would encourage you to do is not only think about your dreams or take them seriously, which sounds like you already are, mm -hmm. I would actually really pursue how they're going to perform it mm -hmm. and how they're to yeah. impart and shape your pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. um, not just, that was interesting, but go back to them and go back to them and go back to them. So, um, not like scripture, but um, but as we go back to scripture constantly, so I would go back to your dreams. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a discipline I've been in the last two years when I get a prophetic word to actually go back to it. So you guys have watched, as I've been sharing with the staff team, this prophetic word of the eagles and the light and all that, right? So I used to just get that word and I would write it down and I would just be thankful for that word and just kind of hold it. Now I've learned, go back to the word. Just go back imaginatively in prayer and wait and listen. Mm -hmm. And you get a dream, you go, mm, that was an important dream. There was something mm -hmm. great about that dream. Yeah. I would say continue to go back to it, asking the Lord for whatever else he would show you from it. Mm -hmm. um, because <laughs> that that may also unlock the you know backing up or whatever that happens when you get maintenance-minded. Yeah. Yeah. Which is every pastor's challenge, by the way, is the maintenance-minded. Because you're doing it all the time. It's the very nature of the work. Yeah. And you just start thinking, is anything ever changing? You know, are there any fish in this pond? Um, but God's giving you a spring to feed it, and I think that's really significant. Any other observations for Christy on how these ministries are interacting? I just think you have a real reality chip, which, like, is um, not related to the five M's, maybe. There's something about the way that you that you see things with both, like, uh, pastorally with people where there's a lot of vision without, and I don't know you very well, but this is, like, a lot of vision without unnecessary idealism about who people are or how things happen. Mm -hmm. But, like, with plenty of vision, so not like, this is boring, like, this is, like, really positive. <laughs> um, and so I think that's just the beauty of those two things going together, like the pond analogy mm -hmm. is... Um, a really safe place to be uh, without a lot of fear. Mm. So that would be, I think, a marriage between the pastoral and the prophetic that I would produce that. So, mm. awesome. I think it's just been cool like hearing a lot of your dreams in the past year. So I, I appear in a lot of her dreams yeah. as her roommate. So. Um, but <laughs> But I, I think it's been really cool to see how the dreams like bring so much to the surface that you're holding all the time, um, yeah. but it kind of highlights things. So it's like it's like the prophetic's always there, mm -hmm. but the dream will kind of like bring something up and kind of be like an alert of yeah. like notice me, like this is the thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just been really cool to see how that's energized a lot of your vision because you're like oh that is an important thing I've been thinking about but like I didn't have the language for it until I dreamt about it yeah and then like I have language for it I have imagery for it I have story to connect it with yeah you know and so I think that's just really powerful for people to also get to know your heart better because these are all things you're 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 holding but it's a cool way for you to have to articulate things that you might otherwise be like I don't know how to explain this like I don't know how to explain my concern about Wheaton yeah. but now I've got a dream that I had about Wheaton 
and the cynicism at Wheaton. And so now I have some words to articulate it in a different way, and I have story to give people. And there's like a there's a handle to hold there. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's just a powerful thing to lean into with your dreams too, of like as a means of articulation. Yeah. Yeah. What Mal's describing too is the gift of discernment, mm -hmm. and uh, shepherds either need to have the gift of discernment themselves before they would trust closely around them. Because if you don't have the gift of discernment as a shepherd or have them involved in it and what you're leading, you'll you'll still be a community leader. Mm -hmm. But certainly needs to be a church leader. And the difference between community and church, broadly speaking, is mm -hmm. in the church we're discerning the spirits mm -hmm. and we're testing the spirits and we're defending the faith once delivered. Um, so I think that's also really key in your second ministry is God's really giving you discernment in his dreams and in that sense of thing. And uh, that's part of the prophetic gift too, but the prophetic gift is always saying, okay, what's good and what's evil? Yeah. And when they're going like this, mm -hmm. it, it, the prophetic gift goes, I, you know, no, no, you know. So yeah. that's, that's really cool. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lord Jesus, we just praise you for this daughter. Um, we praise you for the gifts that you're cultivating in her, in your Holy Spirit, and in the context of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. We praise you for bringing Christine into this ministry residency where she is able to practice and cultivate and to serve and love with the gifts you are cultivating in her. Mm -hmm. um, and we just lift up this shepherding gift that has been named, this prophetic Mm -hmm. gift that reinforces, mm -hmm. that fills the shepherding gift. Lord, we lift those to you and ask that you would continue to illuminate and enlighten them in your spirit, that you would mm -hmm. show Christy clearly where you're calling her into those. Um, we ask that you would show her, mm -hmm. help her grow an understanding of the other gifts also, how they each inform each other, Lord. And we just ask for your spirit of discernment just the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, not the world's wisdom, mm -hmm. for understanding how to shepherd with the prophetic and how to prophesy in a shepherding heart, Lord Jesus. And we just ask that you continue to surround Christy with brothers and sisters that can help her name, help her discern, help her interpret the dreams that she has, help her just grow in the assurance and boldness and strength of the gifts that you've given her to build up and to love the body. We praise you for this gift, Lord. We watch for you through Christy as you use her this year, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. 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 All right, Mark, so glad you could be here today. I was so excited to hear from you. What are you discerning? Um, so I think it's been an interesting, like, Couple years of trying to discern these things since we. I mean, I've heard this. I've heard you give this teaching a couple times now. Yeah, you, you made even the three. Yeah, three. So it's good, but yeah, I think I've had it. For, I was kind of with Allison for a while, not really knowing. Um, so I think I think what I've settled on is the apostle and teacher, um, and I would say. I think for a while I would have said that the teacher was the primary, but I don't know if that's the case anymore. Um, so I think, so I, I grew up like in a scripture saturated home. 
So we, we would spend every morning for an hour reading the Bible together. And we did it every day, and we would go through Genesis to Revelation, and then we'd start over. So like, that's like 18 years of my life doing that kind of thing. So, I mean, after like having tasted from that kind of depth, I feel like I was kind of ruined for anything else. Yeah. And so I, I just love going deep in the scriptures, just plumbing the depths and, and dwelling there. Um, and I feel like something, like my mind is just always worrying and racing and just constantly processing things. And I feel like where my mind goes when I just have a spare second is like, there's this thing I read the other day in the Bible and then it made me think of this and this and this. Um, and I felt like my, basically my whole life has been building this scaffolding of ideas, um, using the materials of the scriptures. Um, and so I think for a while I would have said that was my primary one, but I think, I feel like recently, um, that kind of like apostolic itch has been coming more into like central focus. And I've, I feel like I begin to see my like teaching impulse kind of serving the apostolic urgency. Um, so I feel like I, I'm, I'm super vision driven. Um, and so like, it was funny when I was looking at this, um, at Father Nate's thing, like the triggers for the apostle. It's like no long-term vision, yep, check. Um, leaders or staff just doing the work themselves, check. No concern for equipping the saints, check. Like those things drive me nuts. Um, and so I think, yeah, recently I've just been like, I, I always ask the question, okay, what's the vision and how can we get there together? How can we get as many people on board as possible? Um, and then, what is the framework of ideas which can make sense of this whole thing? Um, and so I feel like I see this kind of like, yeah, the apostolic urgency of like, I wanna have everyone doing something and I want us to be like, there's like an outward itch, I feel like, where that was like, my, the last church I was at, I felt a lot of discontent around the insularity that was there. Um, because there was, there was like no evangelism going on, no service um, outward. And I, it, it drove me absolutely nuts. It was like, we need to be going out. We need to be sent. Um, and yeah, I just feel like I've been seeing the interplay of those two things back and forth. Um, of feeling very strongly, I want to get as many people with me and I want to, I want to get us all going out. Mm -hmm. And then thinking, all right, but, but how, do we, how do we create this mm -hmm. structure of ideas in which everything makes sense and which everyone can get on board with? Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the process and I think it's been only recently that I've started to see them mm -hmm. interplaying, so I'm still processing a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and that's my, that's probably my teacher thing too, is that I spend far too much time thinking about things. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte will tell you, she's yeah. like, if she asks, she asks me a question, there's always a long pause. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
and they're like, okay, well, let me think. Points and the yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, just tell me. Do you want to go to GME or not? <laughs> like, well, we've got 302 just opened up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think um, as I think about my ministries now, um, there's a ton of shepherding that I do in Res Youth. Um, and a lot of that's administrative, and that's not something that comes naturally to me at all. Yeah. Um, and so that's been that's been a lot of work. And I think I've I have a really high value for the shepherds in my life because I've had a couple people in particular who were so strong, like shepherd shepherds, wow. um, who like I would call them my greatest influences mm-hmm. in my life. So I I love shepherds, mm-hmm. um, and it's not something that comes very easily to me. Um, at least the administrative side yeah, of it, yeah. um, the relational side more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a ton of that in Res Youth right now, which has been I mean it's been great to work with Will, who is very much a shepherd. Yeah. Um, and now Christy is a <laughs> shepherd too. Yeah. Um, and just like learning from them has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I do get to teach in Res Youth, which is mm-hmm. like so exciting for me every time I get mm-hmm. to do it. Um, and even teach interpersonally one-on-one. Um, we have a student apprentice this year, and he has a list of questions that we've been like just going through every week, talking through his questions, and it's like one of the highlights of my week. Wow. It's so fun. Wow. Um, yeah, and then if I think, if there was maybe one where I feel like I really struggle, um, but I just kind of long for, it's the prophetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I've had moments in the last two years where I feel like, like I don't operate in it yeah. yet. Um, but I feel like there's moments where I'll just be praying and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, the words are coming out faster than I can even think of them. Which for the teacher, I always think of them before I say them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's like these moments that break in wow. and I just feel so much freedom in the spirit. Um, but... I think I long for just like a, a moment and day when I can just operate in that and I can feel like that freedom more regularly. Um, and, I, and I especially long for that when I'm leading worship. Um, and I, I have moments there as well, but it's, it's something that, you know, I wasn't raised in. I, I had very little um, experience either of people ministering prophetically yeah, to me. Yeah. Um, until I had a Pentecostal roommate in college, <laughs> which was amazing as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's something that's been a prayer of mine over the last two years. Of like, Lord, just give me more of that. I don't really even know where to begin with it, but um, but yeah. So. Okay, so this this is this is really interesting, um, and it's fascinating how you even in the last two years as you've been more and more ministry outside of a college context or high school context and came in from a course, you're discovering more of this. Because for the apostolic, um, it's actually hard to get your apostolic until you're actually out in kind of a broader, wider uh, situation. So for example, college can be a hard time <coughs> discovering the apostolic. Hmm. Um, for the college necessarily needs to be institutional systems. Systems driven, administrative driven, that, that has to happen. It's running college, it's very complex. 
formulation. But maybe they're part of a college system, then the apostolic isn't necessarily going to be called out. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, other things you're a student. So you're you're learning, you know what I mean? So it's really interesting to me in the last few years, Mark, as you're coming to more of an apostolic environment, mm -hmm. that apostolic gift in you got a sense of, wait a second, like this is something that actually really animates me. Yeah. Um, and that, that would be really appropriate. This is something God has put in you probably for a long time. You probably look back and go, yeah, I've watched this. It just didn't necessarily have the context yeah. where, because apostolic needs a lot of space yeah. also. So it's like one of those, you know, kind of big game animals. Um, like, you know, it needs a lot of, you know, Sahara. Um, it needs a lot of space. Because <laughs> um, the apostolic thinks big space. Yeah. Right? So the apostolic thinks, you know, again, how can I take in this whole thing? And the shepherd's like, let's go here. The apostolic's like, let's go everywhere. <laughs> you know, and you see this, you know, over the top of the foot below the cannon, William Beasley. I mean, literally, the man that he's thinking, nobody's planted on the moon yet. <laughs> Not that I'm serious, like, nobody's planted. Why is there a church on the moon? Right? And I'm not trying to address questions like, why is there a church in central Wisconsin? He's like, there should be the gospel on the moon. Um, you know, Elton Musk, somebody to get up there in the current community, and there should be a church there. So that's not so that is something for you, because it's like, that's actually, you're just starting to come to discover what's going on. And it means to see how all of that, that fills out. Um, and even our residencies are even more, they, they really work even better for the shepherd teacher. Um, residencies themselves, and this is just, hmm. we're, we're doing them, we're, we're learning them, we got to learn how the residencies can also kind of capture that apostolic, which is harder mm -hmm. when you're coming into, you know, beginning ministry roles, which often have more administration, which is also great for apostles to, to work with administrators, which yeah. is really yeah. good. Um, because the apostolic is the administrator, the shepherd, then you just get utter complete messes. <laughs> I could point to you one church after another and one movement after another, where the apostolic did not just like in words, like, oh, like, thank you, but really you can understand. Um, so that's just fascinating to hear all that, all, all that goes together. I think I would say is, um, keep in mind with the apostolic, the apostolic is obsessed with the Bible. Mm. Because the Bible is the foundation, Paul teaches us, of the prophets and the apostles. The unrepeatable prophets, the unrepeatable apostles, as I've taught you guys before, but the apostles and the prophets. So the apostolic actually has an obsession with the Bible. His obsession is... How is the Bible multiplied to many listeners and hearers? How is the Bible given to many, many people? And how is the Bible always protected and defended? Not the Bible is the word of God, but you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. yeah. right? That's actually very apostolic. So the fact that you've got that upbringing, which is unique, we all live in a group of wow, um, can also be the building toward the apostolic. Probably one of the tensions that, that you will feel um, and that will be important to you. I think Tim Black operates in the apostolic in the teaching. Actually, um, and you can feel if you're around Jonathan Tim, if you had a chance to be others, I mean, you can feel. I mean, like he's in an institution that's, that's not apostolic, mm -hmm. and he's got the apostolic gift. It's not just that he's Dutch as part of it. Everyone goes, Well, he just said that. <laughs> um, the apostolic also says things you don't can't believe the person just said that. So, he probably would always be when you connect with, with, with Jonathan Tim and why he's a good connection for you. I think he operates in those two. Um, but there could be an intrinsic tension for the apostolic and the teaching. Um, and in some ways, those two are more uh, chalk and cheese than many um, because of what you actually just described. The teacher's like, let's build this, let's have a foundation, mm -hmm. let's have a plan. If we go a year and a half over the plan, it's okay because 
this has to be built properly. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's all, of course, so let's not get it right, let's get it out. Yeah. Um, so within the apostolic and the teaching, you'll need to recognize you will have internal tensions mm-hmm. that are part of that. And it, it can create a sense of, of kind of anxiety, which is just internal tension. Um, get it right, get it out, get it right, get it out. You know, once on one shoulder, one on shoulder. You know what I mean? Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really even knowing from the Lord, okay, I'm going into this particular ministry right now. Which should leave? Mm-hmm. Or oh, I've got a particular ministry season. Mm-hmm. Which should leave? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hearing from the Lord, I want you to lead out of this ministry right now. Or oh, I need to lead out of this ministry right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I have apostolic shepherding, which are also building and catalyzing. And I've got to really learn. Right now I'm going into a shepherding situation. I'm with my shepherding ministry gifts lead here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm preaching in the academy in two weeks. And so I've got to go in there to a very institutional environment, a wonderful, solid, conservative, evangelical environment that is probably not very used to the apostolic. Mm-hmm. And I've got to go in there and thinking, I've got to lead out of my shepherding gift as much as possible. Um, because I want to bless them. And I want to speak in a language that they'll be able to hear. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm already being conscious of, like, what sermon do I preach? Well, that one's got apostolic fire all over it. Maybe I should not do that one. Mm-hmm. It's not the first time I go. Yeah. Maybe I should do this one so I can help build up the body in a way that they can hear. Um, but, so I think that's also the key. Yeah. Any, other, any, other, any other observations from Mark? I think that's something that's actually very natural to you. You have mm-hmm. a very like you um, almost a unique way in which you feel like you don't have an agenda, mm-hmm. which might like be a really helpful aspect for having an apostolic gift as well. Mm-hmm. Which sometimes you can feel like railroaded along by people who are super apostolic. That's just like part of the deal. And uh, maybe because of your gifting mix, you know, mm-hmm. that there will be more of a tendency for those who mm-hmm. are more shy about authority to trust you more, mm-hmm. even in that architecting work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's really good. Um, Father Scott operates often in the apostolic and teaching gift. Mm-hmm. Another person is also free. Mm-hmm. It's also helpful to kind of find folks that sort of operate within your mix. Yeah. And you'll see that Father Scott mm-hmm. as well.
he's getting more clarity about yes. these two um, two giftings that might seem like they're at odds, but are just mm. such mm. Um, such riches of possibility for him as he goes into the ministry situations in the future. Mm. Lord, I pray that you would give him discernment to know which one should lead. Yeah. Um, what will be received well? What will be most effective? Or maybe what won't necessarily be received well, but mm. what will advance the kingdom? developing ideas. I thank you for the ideas that are so abundant in Mark's mind, and I pray that you would continue to give him words to express those, and that those words would be spontaneous sometimes, that he would have the freedom and the confidence to speak without thinking, to trust that it's not just the analysis that provides a foundation, 